we're going to continue to worship the Lord this morning with our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. I want to give you a quick update. Uh, one of my friends sent me a link to some of the most persecuted churches and you know, stats on that stuff a couple days ago. And one of the countries where there's incredible persecution for the church is Myanmar, which just happens to be where our missionaries, the Babors, are setting up shop. And just uh, a week and a half ago, they finally got their permanent residency settled there. And so uh, they are moving into a place where they will need God's miraculous provision and protection, but he's a God that does that. And it's a nation that is so desperately in need of the message of the God who loves and the God who saves. So, Father, this morning as we give back to you, uh, we're so grateful that you first gave to us. And Jesus, we're so grateful that you have a heart for all people and that you are breaking into the nation of Myanmar. And that in a place where Christians are persecuted, that the gospel is going to go forth and be proclaimed and that thousands of people will come to know you because of the work of the Babors. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to partner with them. We pray blessing. We pray, uh, pray provision over them and divine wisdom and strategies from your mind to theirs. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, if you're new here today, thank you so much. You are our guest, and we're so honored that you would choose to be here. You braved the cold temperatures uh, to come out here, but we have some warm coffee for you, so if nothing else, at least you got that out of it. We'd love to have you stop by the information table, uh, fill out one of our communication cards, and drop that off. And what will happen is you'll get a free Radiant t-shirt as a gift and a way of saying thank you for being here with us today. And then this week, I'll shoot you an email just welcoming you to the church and seeing if there's anything that we can do for you. And also today we have our Next Steps uh, Grow class. If you've ever wanted to know how it is that you can know God more, um, it's a great class for you to go through and start to jumpstart and maybe re-jump your relationship with Jesus. It talks about how you can know God and his plan and purpose for your life through studying scripture, through having a prayer plan, and through the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. So it'll be at 1130 right after church gets out in the Next Steps room. If you have questions or need to know more about it, stop by the Next Steps table and they can answer your questions and get you over there. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 7. Again, that's Hebrews 11 and Matthew chapter 7. And we're starting a new series today called Seek. And uh, that wasn't on the plan until about two weeks ago. Um, what I did was, while I was recovering from surgery last year, I mapped out the entire year 2017 for all the sermon series. I had it all figured out, and then two weeks ago, I already got off track. So we're off to a good start this year. But I really felt it was important to begin the year just really seeking after God as making it the foundation of what we do this year. And last year we did the same thing. We started out with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it was really incredible. We were praying, God, we want an increase of your presence. And I think it is uh, safe to say that we have seen an increase of God's presence as we gather uh, in our worship and teaching and community uh, and hanging out and kids ministry. In every area, we've seen an increase of God's presence. We were also praying uh, for growth, and we have definitely seen the church continue to grow. Kids ministry continues to grow. You all are being fruitful and multiplying, so good job on that. And uh, we were praying for provision. And... Uh, and God has brought us more provision. It's been so incredible to see how faithful God has been through all of this. And that's a great thing because we were also praying for a building. Because as you know, we don't own our own place. We're meeting in a movie theater, which is great for us. But we know there are a lot of things that God's called us to do that we won't be able to do until we get the building. So because of an increase of provision, we were able to save up a lot of money. Because when we do get a building, it will require a down payment for that. So we're saving up and we're praying and we believe that God is getting close to bringing us that building, so continue uh, to agree with us and pray with us for that. 
And this year, we're going to continue the idea of seek. And beginning next week, January 15th, and ending February 5th, we're going to go on a church-wide fast together in a time of really dedicating ourselves to God and saying, we want to seek after you because we want you and we want the things that you've called us to do. And uh, the, the whole idea behind the fast this year is that we want to be a church that's hungry. We want to be a church that is really just hungry and wants more of God, more of his presence. We want more of his kingdom exhibited in our own lives. We want more of God's kingdom exhibited inside of our city. And so we're going to commit ourselves to 21 days of prayer and fasting and seeking after God because he is the one that we want. So this week... Be thinking about the type of fast that you want to do and the things that you're going to fast for. Uh, some of the fasts you might consider are a Daniel fast, which is where you just eat fruits and vegetables for 21 days. You, you, know, you cut out all of the, the great things like steak and other meats and, and junk food, and you just say, for 21 days, I'm going to deny myself some of the other pleasures of the palate so that I can really seek after God. You might say, I'm going to do a partial fast, um, where you, you fast from breakfast until 3 p.m. or dinner or something. Uh, maybe you're going to do a comfort fast. If you say, uh, I really love watching TV, it's a great comfort to me, but it takes up a lot of time, or social media, different things like that. But find some way to align your heart to seeking after God. Because when we fast, it's not that there's this magical formula where God says, okay, now you're really serious, you've done X, now I'm going to do Y. It's, what it does is it silences the other voices that are competing for our attention in our life. Food's a big one for me. And that's why I fast food things, because I spend a lot of time thinking about what am I going to make and satisfying my king tummy, because he's a, an evil ruler and he wants what he wants when he wants it. And so what I do is I say, no, the desires that I have in my flesh are not as important as the desire that I have to spiritually know and to connect with God and to seek after him. So I force myself into submission so that I can better hear God speak to me. I'll be uh, taking off social media because that's you know, something you find yourself checking your phone about 300 times a day to see if someone liked it or retweeted or whatever they're doing. And so I'm just going to say that takes up too much time. Watching football has taken up too much of my time. The lines are out anyways now, so it frees up a lot of time. Um, and just creating more time so that I can hear from God and so that I can seek after him more time to pray, more time to read my Bible, more time to worship, and just sit and listen to what it is that God's speaking to me. And when you do that in your life, you will hear him speak to you. And when you laser focus in through fasting, you will see God move in ways that he won't move any other time. So I encourage you, if you've never fasted before, this is a great time to start. If you pick a fast and you break it after a couple days, don't just quit. Just get back on and keep going. Um, but yeah, be thinking... What am I going to fast? And then what am I seeking God for? We're all going to be seeking God for more of his presence, for a greater hunger, for greater passion for Jesus. But what are the things that you specifically need to seek God after? Maybe it's a, a decision that you have to make. Maybe you need some wisdom. Maybe you need God to do something inside of your marriage. Maybe there's some provision that you need. Maybe there's a sickness that you need healing from. Maybe there's someone that you've uh, in your family or a friend that's far from God, maybe a child, and you're just going to say, God, I'm going to come after you and I'm going to seek after you on their behalf. Whatever it is, think about it this week. Uh, write it down and then next week on the 15th we will begin the fast together and then February 5th when we break it we'll do something delicious to do that together and then we'll all go post pictures on social media of our food. Deal? <laughs> Alright, well before we can start seeking God we need to come to an understanding of how to seek God. And Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a, a picture of that. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, And without faith 
It is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This verse gives us the two key principles of what we need to do if we want to draw near to God. If we want to have relational closeness with God, if we want to seek after him to receive a reward, first of all, we have to believe that he exists. Now, that's a no-brainer. If you don't believe he exists, you certainly won't be trying to draw close to him. You won't be seeking after him for a reward. When I was a little kid, I remember at Christmas time, I would get out the, uh, I think it was the Sears catalog back then. We used to use it to sit on at the table so we could reach things. And then we'd also use it to make our Christmas list. I remember one year, I'm just going off on it. I'm circling and highlighting all these things because I want Santa to get me all of this stuff. And I remember my mom looking at it, and she's like, oh, wow, that's, that's quite a lot. And I was circling, you know, like Jeeps that drive around, multiples. I was like, I want three of them so my two friends can come over and ride with me. And my mom s- says, uh, you know, I don't know if Santa's going to be able to get that for you. And I'm like, Mom, he's Santa. Like, he can do anything. This isn't too hard for him, and I've been very good, so I'm not worried about that. She says, yeah, Jeremy, about that, uh, there is no Santa. What, what? It was traumatic for me because I have believed in Santa and I thought that he'd been giving me all of these gifts all of these you know, 20 years of my life. And you know, when my mom tells me that, it's, I'm like, well, where do they come from? And she's like, your dad and I get those free. I'm like, but the tag says Santa. She's like, yeah, but it's in our handwriting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like my world's falling apart. What else did you lie about? Tell me the tooth fairy and Jesus are real. And, uh, and so it just created this moment of trying to figure out what I really believe. Well, after I found out there is no Santa, that he doesn't exist, I stopped making Christmas lists for Santa. Because that would be a complete waste of my time. If I don't believe he exists, I'm surely not going to try to draw close to him or to know him in any way. I have a lot of uh, skeptics that I meet, and one of the proofs that they present me with for there being no God is that they don't know him or they don't feel close to him. And surely if there was a God, then wouldn't we know him and feel close to him? And my response is always, well, the person that I feel closest to in this world is my wife, Anna. But I was not born feeling close to her. And if I had never come to the point where I accepted the fact that she exists, I never would have been able to draw close to her. For you to draw close to God and for you to receive a reward for him in seeking him, you have to believe that he exists or you will never do anything to pursue him. And then the second thing that it says we have to do is we have to believe that he rewards those who seek him. There's a lot of things we believe about God. We believe he's omniscient, he's omnipotent. Uh, we believe that he's, uh, he's a God of love. We believe that he's a God of justice, a God of mercy, a God of provision, all of these different things. And whatever it is that we believe about God shapes the way that we view him and therefore the way that we live our lives and how we approach him. But do you believe that God is a rewarder? That's something that for us culturally is hard to accept. A lot of us didn't grow up hearing that. You know, we had our Sunday school rhymes. We learned about how Jesus loves me and, and uh, you know, all these other things we're supposed to do. But oftentimes we've overlooked the fact that God is a rewarder. That it's something that he wants to do for us. That he's a father and he delights in giving good things to his children. And we're his children. But if you don't believe that God is a rewarder, then you will never seek after God for a reward. An example of this would be, uh, you guys ever buy any exercise equipment or any diet pills that you thought were just going to absolutely change your life? I remember getting a Bowflex back in, I think I was in high school. 
And you see the commercials, the half-hour infomercial, and the dudes are just ripped, and they're, they're you know, all oiled up and everything. And they're like, all you got to do is use this for 20 minutes a day, three times a week, and you're going to look like that. And I'm like, well, I can do that. And so you give them all your money, you get the Bowflex, you spend three days trying to set it up, and then you get on there, and you start using it, and you find out real quick that those people on the infomercials did not get looking like that using a Bowflex. <laughs> there is no way on earth you can look that good with just a Bowflex. Or have you guys ever tried like a diet pill or some kind of magical shake that's supposed to make you drop 30 pounds in three days? Uh, my favorite one is there's this commercial on the radio now that I hear, and it's someone calling in to a customer uh, support person, and they're saying, oh my goodness, it's working too effectively. My stomach is too flat now. What do I do? No, it's not. But people buy that, they take the pill thinking that their stomach's going to be so flat that they have problems, but you buy it just once and use it and you figure out it's a scam and it doesn't work. So what do you stop doing? You stop buying exercise equipment and miracle pills that are going to make you lose weight because you see that there's no reward in seeking after those things. We don't spend our time and our resources doing things that we don't believe have some benefit to us or that there's a reward for doing. And if you don't believe that there's a reward in seeking after God, if you don't believe that at his, the core of who he is, a part of the nature and the character of God is that he's a rewarder, then you won't seek after him because you will believe that it's a waste of your time. Or maybe you start pursuing God in some way, but something doesn't happen in the timeline that you want it to, and so you stop pursuing him because you start doubting whether he's really a rewarder. Uh, it might be that you have a vision. You see someone, and they love Jesus, and they're close to him, and when they pray, it seems like mountains are moving, and when they worship God, it's such an intimate time with him, and you say, I want that for my life. But if you don't believe that in seeking after God, that's what will actually happen to you, then you're not going to do it. And you'll continue to live far from God without knowing him well. If you don't believe that God is a healer, then you won't go after him for healing. Uh, how many people do I know that you, you go there and you pray, God, heal me of this blah, 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 whatever, and it doesn't happen instantly, and you think, oh, God must not be a healer. There's no reward in seeking after God for healing. And so they just stop. And you know what? The people that don't pray for it, they won't receive it. Or it might be that you've been praying for someone in your family that's far from God and you just keep saying, God, I, I know you can, you can move on their heart. I've heard all these great testimonies of how God has moved on the hearts of others. But at some point along that journey, if you start doubting that God really is able to do this or that God wants to reward your pursuit of him, then you'll stop seeking him. And you won't see him do the things in your life that God wants to do, the rewards that he wants to pour out on you. And the, two, the thing that these two requirements have uh, for us to believe that he exists and for us to believe that he rewards those who seek him, the thing that they have in common is that both of those require faith. They're both things that we can't empirically prove. They are things that we have to accept on faith. Well, what is faith then? Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, tells us what faith is. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. People look at this verse, and a lot of times the takeaway for them is they say, oh, faith is things hoped for and, and things that are unseen. But that's not really what the verse is saying. I could take it and say, I hope that I lose 10 pounds on the Krispy Kreme-only diet. 
That's, that's something I'm taking on faith. I don't see how it's going to happen. I just have to believe it and to receive it based on faith. Well, that's not what this is talking about because the emphasis of this verse isn't that it's things hoped for and things unseen. What it's talking about is it's the assurance of things that are hoped for. That's what faith is. Faith is an assurance. And the Greek word used here is actually a legal word that talks about a title or a deed. It's a legal document that uh, affects the transfer of property from one person to another. That's what an assurance is. When we moved over here five years ago, uh, you know, we, we loaded up all of our stuff into a truck and we drove over here and it wasn't for the hope that God was going to provide us with a home that we could move all of our possessions into. We didn't do it with something hoped for that we're just going to drive around and and we just knock on doors until an angel greeted us and said, come on into the reward that awaits you, my son. And we're just going to pack our stuff. That would be foolish. That's not faith. That's stupidity. But what faith is, is saying that I have a legal document now that shows that this home is mine. And that's what I had. Before we packed up our stuff, we signed the deeds and the papers. Legally, that home was ours. So then we packed up everything and we drove over here and we moved into our house because we had an assurance of the thing that we hoped for. And that's what faith is. And when it comes to seeking God, it's not that we're hoping to find him, that we're just going to kind of muddle our way through and we hope at some point that we find God and that we receive a reward for him. It's that we have an assurance. We have an assurance that when we seek after God that we're going to find him. That when we go after God that there's going to be a reward for that. And this is the assurance that we have. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13, that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is what God is saying to us, to all believers. It's not just to one person. This is something that God has revealed about himself to all people for all of time, is that when we seek after him with all of our hearts, we will find him. That is what God has legally decreed. We have a legal document in scripture because God is bound to his word. Everything that he speaks is true, and he stands by everything that he says. So we're not just hoping that we can at some point in our life know God. We have an assurance that when we seek after him with our whole heart, that we will find him. That's the faith that we have as seekers. When we seek him with everything that's inside of us. Not, okay, I'm going to seek God here and I'm going to check out some, some Buddhism and some of these other things and hope that one of these works out. I'm going to put my faith in my own resources and ability to provide for myself and my own wisdom and intellect. I'm going to look at my culture. It's No, when I come and I say, God, you are the one that I want. I'm throwing everything else out because my whole heart now is for you. And when we make that decision, we go after him with everything that we have. We have a legal document assuring us that we will find him. God himself has spoken that to us. And the second thing that it says is that faith is a conviction. And that means it's an evidence that makes someone fully agree, understand, and realize the truth or validity of something, especially based on argument or discussion. And this is what we're all trying to do on social media. We're all trying to, to have some you know, biting meme that will convince all of our backwards friends that they are completely you know, wrong on every political view that they have. If we're trying to convict them of this, then we think that we can do that in 140 characters or less. But that's not the way that it works. But when we come to God, we have a conviction of what it is that, we'll, that we will receive when we seek after him. 
He has convinced us of that through the words that he has spoken. Jesus himself says this in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is the argument that Jesus is making to us to convince us that we will be rewarded when we seek after him. He says that when you seek, you're going to find. When you knock, that door is going to be open to you. When you ask, you are going to receive. This is what God himself has spoken to us to try to convince us of that. That's the conviction that we have as followers of Jesus, as people who are seeking after him. The conviction that we have is that he is a God who rewards those who seek after him. He has spoken it himself. This isn't me trying to convince you of that. This isn't some you know, doctrine of a denomination trying to convince you of that. These are the words of God. And we need to be a people who live with an assurance, a people who live with a conviction of the things that we hope for, a conviction of the things that are unseen, that when we put our hearts fully after God and seeking after Him, there is a reward that waits for us. Even when we don't understand how it's going to come to pass, even when it's something that we can't see, the word of God is a legal document that has bound him to the things that he has spoken to us. It's hard to live that kind of a life. It's hard to always live with an assurance of the things that God has spoken to us. It's hard to always live with a conviction of the fact that God is a rewarder. And the writer of Hebrews gives us an exa several examples of people who live this way to encourage us and to spur us on to that kind of a life and that kind of a faith. And one of them is Abraham. And it says this in Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, Abraham was someone that had a good life. His father was, most people think, an idol maker, so that might seem like an odd person for God to reveal himself to, but that's just the way God is. He's, he has a heart for all people and isn't based upon what it is that you do or how worthy you are. It's based upon his goodness, his love, and his mercy for you. And God spoke to Abraham and he said that I'm going to give you uh, heirs, I'm going to give you uh, nations as descendants, I'm going to bless you incredibly, and I'm going to bless all the nations of the world through you. But before you can receive those things, you're going to have to leave the good life that you already have. You're going to have to leave the land that you're familiar with. You're going to have to leave your family. You're going to have to leave comfort. And I'm promising you all of these blessings, but to get into these blessings, you're going to have to live as a foreigner. You're going to have to be someone that doesn't live in homes and family homes. You're going to be living in tents. You're going to be wandering around in the desert. I'm not even going to tell you where it is that I'm taking you. You're just going to have to take a step of faith and believe that I am going to reward you. And Abraham had to make a choice. He had to say, am I willing to leave everything that I love and everything that I know behind, the good life that I already have, to in exchange receive a life better than I ever could build, to receive the life that God himself will build for me? 
And when it's a life that God himself builds, it's always going to require faith in you because you can't build it. It's something that's above and beyond your abilities. It's something that where oftentimes when you're taking a step of faith with this assurance of what God has spoken to you, it's going to look like you're moving backwards from what it is that he's called you to. But when we move forward with that assurance that I have a legal document that God is bound to the words that he's spoken to me, so I can move forward with an assurance, I can move forward with a conviction that God is going to reward me, then we will be able to step out, we will be able to leave the things that we love and the comfort that we have, and do things that might look like it's going backwards as far as the way that our, our humanly minds would think of the progression of what God wants to do. But we do it when we have an assurance and when we have a conviction of who God is. And then it says this, in Hebrews 11, 11 through 12, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, I love that in Scripture, the way that it describes Abraham's body is that it's as good as dead. Now, I would love to have been, you know, lived back then and be able to be recorded about my life of faith in the Bible. And there's a lot of things I would want to be remembered for. Like maybe like David, I, I was out there, I was a giant slayer. Maybe I was beautiful like Absalom. Maybe I was wise like Solomon. But Abraham's remembered for having a body that was as good as dead. But come on, guys, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, it's not awful. I mean, Sarah likes it at least. But he's remembered for having a body that's as good as dead. He was someone that left wealth. He was someone that left power. He was someone that left influence. He was someone who left family. There was no way that a 100-year-old man would be able to father children with a 99-year-old wife. It was an impossibility. But that's the point. This isn't the life that we're building. This is the life that God is building. This is the life that he's called us to. And it's always going to be above and beyond us. You might not have enough money. You might not have enough wisdom. You might not have enough power. You might not have enough influence. Your body might be as good as dead. And that's exactly the point because it's not about how good we are or what we're able to do. It's about how faithful God is and what it is that he's able to do through us. And it says that when Sarah, it says that she considered him who promised these things to be faithful which means that she had an assurance and a conviction that God was able to do what it was that he said he would do even when it seemed like there was no way that it was possible. Even when it defied the laws of science, she put her faith in God and what it was that he said that he would do. And it says that because of that, because of that faith, she was then empowered to conceive She received the gift and the promise and the blessing of God. She received her reward that God had spoken to her because of her faith. And we will receive the the power and the promise and the blessing of God. We will receive our reward when we put our full assurance, we put our full conviction in who God is, and we believe that he who promised to us is faithful. And then it goes on to say this in verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, 
they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What I was saying is that Abraham and Sarah, they received the promise and they put their faith fully in God for it, but they never saw the fullness of God's promise. They had one son. They didn't see the multitude of descendants. They didn't see descendants more numerous than the stars, more numerous than the grains of sand on the beach. They saw one descendant born to them. And they could have turned back and said, you know what? Maybe I heard God wrong on this. I should just be happy with the one son that he's given me. That's a great blessing in and of itself. God, thank you for that. But it says that even though they were living as exiles, even though they didn't have a homeland, they weren't walking into the land of promise, they weren't blessing all of the nations, they didn't see all the descendants that God had promised to them, it says that even still they greeted that from afar which means that by the eye of faith, they still saw what it was that God would do. They still had an assurance and a conviction of everything that they would receive, and it kept them seeking after him. It kept them believing in him, not looking at what was actually being manifest on the earth, but looking into the future, knowing that God was faithful and that he would accomplish everything that he had spoken to them. And if they had not done that, if they had not greeted from afar by faith the vision of what God had spoke to them, they would have turned back because they would have said, we're exiles, we don't have a promised land, we only have one son. But they saw it from afar. And because of that, every time someone today makes a decision to say yes to Jesus, the fulfillment of God's promise then continues to be accomplished as they join the family of Abraham, as they join the family of God. Ann and I had experience with something like this ourselves. I know I've shared this before, but something that still continues to be inside of my heart is when we were at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo on, on staff there, we started a campus on the west side because we were starting to max out what was happening in the Richland campus. And so we felt the direction from God that we were supposed to start another campus on the west side of town. And we were raising money for it. And uh, Ann and I were heavily involved in serving there. I was a worship leader there. And uh, we were just like, we're going all in on this. And when we were giving money to, to raise money, uh, we're giving money to raise money, obviously. When we were trying to raise funds for uh, starting the campus, God spoke to us specifically a number to each of us individually in our prayer time. And I was saying, so uh, what did God tell you? And we were hoping it wasn't the same, but it was the same. <laughs> and so God confirmed it. And it was like, all right, God said that if we gave this amount, that he was going to reach X number of people in Portage, Michigan, that would receive him as their Lord, as their Savior, that eternal life would be born into them. So like, this is the best investment of our money that we could ever make. And so we did. And we had we got in, uh, our one car, we got in a head-on accident. It was totaled out. God miraculously spared us. Uh, and then our other car, the engine died. So it's like, okay, all of our money is depleting, and all that we have left is the amount that God spoke to us to give. But because we believe that God spoke this to us, and we believe in what's going to happen with it, and the souls that are going to be saved, we're giving it joyfully. Well, about eight months into the launch of the campus, we ended up closing it down. It didn't work. And I remember when, when Pastor Lee told me the news that we were going to shut down the Portage campus, for me it wasn't that I felt like I'd been a failure in what it was that I had done. For me, the hard part about it wasn't even that I felt like I'd wasted my money. It was that, God, you spoke this to me. 
I know beyond a doubt, and my wife knows beyond a doubt, that you said that this was going to happen if we gave, if we were faithful to what you called us to. This was the reward that we were seeking after. God, how are you going to accomplish that now? And I was broken. I was in tears because I felt like I'd heard God wrong. I felt like God had failed. I didn't know how it was that he was going to be able to still do what it was that he told me he would do. And in a moment of prayer, God just told me to trust him and that he would still accomplish everything that he spoke to our hearts. And right now, Radiant Church is preparing for the launch of a Portage campus again. And one of these Sundays, probably this fall or winter, I won't be here because I will be over at the launch of Radiant Church Portage campus and I will see the fulfillment of what it was that God spoke to the heart of Anna and I all of those years ago, the thing that we never stopped believing and the thing that we didn't see how it could possibly happen. But I put my faith in God and we didn't turn back and even when it looked impossible, it looked like maybe we heard wrong, we wasted all of our money. We believed that we were going to keep seeking after God and that he who had spoken to us was faithful. And it's the same story for Radiant Church Ann Arbor. See, the things that God's spoken to us, the vision that he's given us for where he's going to take this church isn't something that we're seeing right now. We're not always going to be a church of a couple hundred people meeting in a movie theater. And there's nothing wrong. I'm glad for this. We started with like 45 people in a movie theater, so a couple hundred is awesome. I celebrate that every day. And I celebrate the number of people that made decisions to follow him and marriages have been restored and miraculous healings and the freedom that we've seen. All of this stuff is great, but this isn't the fullness of what it is that God's calling us into. We're to be a church of thousands. We're to be a church that has campuses in other cities. We're to be a church that is going to be sending missionaries and putting millions of dollars into what it is that God is doing all around the world. That's worth clapping for. Yeah, thank you. It's something we should be excited about. That's why we're seeking God for this 21 days. But you know what? I'm not going to see the fulfillment of all of that in my lifetime. If I see the fulfillment of everything God's spoken to me in my lifetime, I'm going to be depressed. Because part of that vision isn't for Radiant Church to have its heyday in our time. It's that the next pastor of Radiant Church is the best pastor it's ever had. That they're a better leader than I ever was. That they're a better pastor than I ever was. That they're able to lead the church more fully into the fulfillment of what God has. You know what my plan is? Is to be the worst pastor that Radiant Church Ann Arbor ever has. I'm not trying to tank it or anything like that, but because I want what we see in our lifetime to be the launch pad for those that come after us. I want the generation that comes after us to reach more people, to love God more completely, to be more hungry, to reach our city in new ways. I want them to send out more missionaries. I don't want to see the fulfillment of everything that God does in my lifetime because it means then that we failed because we didn't pass our faith on to the next generation. And hundreds of years from now, if Jesus has not returned, then every one of us that are here right now that have been sowing into what God's doing in this place, we will continue to be receiving the reward for what God spoke to us. Every time someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, every time a marriage is reconciled, every time someone's healed, every time hope comes to someone that's hopeless, in the future generations that we won't see, we will continue to receive the reward for our pursuit of Jesus and seeking after him. But it means that we have to live with an assurance And it means that we have to live with a conviction that he who spoke is faithful. So that no matter what we see when it might be easy to turn back, we will not do that. I'm going to close with this and I'll have the worship team come up. 
what is the thing that you need to have faith for? Not just that you hope for. What is the thing that you need to have an assurance from God about? What is that thing that you need a conviction from God about to believe him for? Do you believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek after him? Do you believe that you can know him intimately? That when you draw near to him, that he's going to draw near to you? Because these are the promises of God. This is what he's spoken to us. This is what's ours if we will just take hold of it. If we'll just align our hearts to seek after Jesus. What are the things that he's spoken to you for your family? What are the things that he's spoken to you for the dreams that he's put inside of your heart, for the future that he's called you to, for the ministry ideas that he's put inside of you, to the people he's called you to reach? Have you been putting your faith in him who spoke that to you? Or have you turned back because you haven't seen it yet? Maybe it seems impossible. Maybe it seems beyond you. That's good because it is. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to live the life that you can build for yourself and seek after the life whose foundation has been laid by Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you. Father, thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you that when we were far from you, you came and you laid yourself down on the cross as an offering. You paid the penalty for our sin so that we could know you. And Jesus, this morning, we continue to receive from you. We raise our hope, we raise our faith for every person who's crying out to you, for every person who needs to hear you speak to their hearts. God, we pray now that you would speak, that you would bring assurance to every heart. God, that you would bring conviction to every heart. To those that have been walking down this road after what God spoke to them and it seems impossible and and they think maybe you heard God wrong. Maybe the timeline isn't what you wanted it to be. This morning, make that choice to live out of assurance. Make the choice to live out of conviction that he who spoke to you is faithful. And maybe this morning you, you know that you're not in a right relationship with God. You're not close to him. Maybe there's sin issues that you've been dealing with that have been causing distance. Maybe you just haven't been pursuing him. Maybe you didn't believe that he would reward you if you sought after him or that you could even know God. This morning, God's speaking to your heart. And I encourage you, receive what it is that he's done. He died on the cross for your sins. He was dead and buried and he rose again, proving that he is God and that he is the giver of life. And just like he was raised from the dead to live forevermore, he can bring life into your heart, a life that will never die, a life that can never be extinguished. He can put joy, he can put peace, he can put hope and purpose inside of you. He will fill you with his own spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and dwell inside of you to lead you, to build up faith inside of you, to give you wisdom, to comfort you. If you will turn from the life that you've been living, and turn to God and allow him to build your life and be obedient to him, you will see the life that God will build for you.
and it's better than anything you could ever build for yourself. Because He alone can give you life. He alone can give you love. He alone can give you acceptance. And He's just pouring it out on you. Well, Father, this morning, we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. Come and move on us. Let us be a people of faith as we seek after you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.